I'm your host, Brandon Kyle Goodman, and welcome to Black Folks. On this show, I have the honor of talking to Black people of various identities about our lives and how being Black has shaped our experiences. This week, we're doing something a little different. It's the end of the year. You know, it's been a fucking crazy year. So I figured, why not answer all the questions y'all have been sending me on Instagram? That's right, honey. It's just you and me uh, talking through <laughs> talking through some shit. And honey, I'm going to warn you right now, the questions y'all been sending in have been heavy but you know i live for that so we're gonna deep dive in and i'm gonna do my best i'm gonna do my best to give you to give you what i know and offer to you what, what i what i know from my experiences everything from relationship advice to finding your purpose to fighting mental health issues all of it i will give you everything i got but first you've probably heard me say her name in every single episode because i literally can't do this show without her and it's time y'all hear the voice of the queen of our Black Folks Podcast, Judith Cargbo. Hi, Judith. Hi. So, so very sweet of you. Thank How you. are you? I, you are the queen I'm of this. Good. You're the queen of our, of our little show. This show does not operate without you. Literally, Judith sends all the emails to get our guests. Judith helps with the editing. She, I mean, she keeps me correct, keeps me gathered up, keeps me on time. I could not do this without you, and I'm so happy uh, that you're a part of this. Anyways, how thank are you? you. I am good. I'm excited to be a part of the listener um, episode. Yes. What'd you and do last night? Last night, I um, well, I worked a little bit on the, uh, this episode. Uh-huh. And then um, my friend kept talking about this reality show called Love After Lockup. Love After um, Lockup. Is that a quarantine love show? It is a love show about basically um, people coming out of prison oh. who find love in prison oh wow and they come out and they have relation they end up in relationships and they move forward in those relationships what else are you watching okay so after love after lockup i also watched the undoing and Ooh, I had a- uh, it's my all was yes. on the undoing i'm about to drink i'm so sorry i forgot to pour no, my no, water please. into a glass <laughs> so so for people watching on the on the video i'm pulling up my gallon bottle of water to take a sip huh? yes and i had the you know i had the privilege of listening to you guys talk on your episode if if you guys haven't heard it please it's a two-parter yes listen please so amazing um and to see him work you know and he to, works I mean, it's so good. And I, I mean, and forgive me, you know, we've had email exchanges. I fully, like, sexually objectified him to my... They're like, I was like, you listen. I was like, he's the fine one. You should it's see not, my DMs. He's the fine one. You should see he's my, so fine. You should see my DMs. People know he's my best friend. And I get all these <laughs> like, DMs that are like, he's so hot. He's so sexy. And I'm like, okay, but like, what about me? Like, if you're in my DMs, <laughs> please be here for me. <laughs> <laughs> please be they here for me for and not for my best friend i appreciate you thank you <laughs> that's all no, i ask wait, if you wait. slide into my dms just be about me please. thank you <laughs> that's a simple request yes but he did such an amazing job yes and it was like he captured the subtlety of how like the whole narrative of like it's always you know the boyfriend you know what yes. i mean and he's clearly a person of color. I mean, and yes. so 
how they pointed towards, well, of course he could, you know, they played with that with your mind. And it was, you know, I'm not going to give too much away. Sure, sure, but sure. If you haven't seen it. If you haven't it, seen it by now, it's fine. Spoiler alert. Truth. 50% yes. of the reason why I, I, obviously I watch the show because, you know, Ismael was in it and I, mm-hmm. I, I live for, <laughs> a friend oh. of mine said, I, I live for like tragic white people. I live I live for white people like dealing with their tragedies on TV, especially That's rich it. white people. I am here to watch them deal with it. Um, and there's something cathartic, but I also like couldn't turn it off because I was like, just I just need to make sure that this show does not make the Latin people uh, the culprits because because there was a part. moment where they like almost like tried to pin it on the like ten yes. year old son, and I was like. I was Oh my goodness. I I have to see. And I was very happy. If you haven't watched the show, close your ears for two seconds. I was very happy to discover that it was Hugh who did it. But you know who's honorable mention? MVP of the whole fucking show. You see that lawyer, the woman? Haley! (laughs) She was so good. Haley was everything. So good. Oh my God. The scene where they find the murder weapon and she's at the house and she tells them to shut up because she needs to think. And she's, oh, what is that actress's name? Wait, hold on. I know that's usually your gig, but wait, I'm going to look it up. I know you're on it. Wait, let me let me look it up myself. Um, I promise you, if they don't nominate her, I swear. Right? She, she, she killed it like it was crazy and the father too but he's like a well yes actor, uh, what yes he's a he's a sutherland uh is that don yeah. sutherland um noma dumas 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 Wenny. i might have i'm sure i said that wrong but her first name is noma okay i, I have to find this, the pronunciation of her last name but she is incredible amazing. she deserves every award she you know what she reminds me of if you did you watch big little lies not the whole thing. Okay. No. I couldn't get into it. I wanted to, but I was Season like, one is everything to me for Big Little Lies. Okay. And the, there's a therapist, and I don't know the actress's name, but there's a no. therapist on that. Nicole Kidman's therapist in mm-hmm. uh, Big Little Lies is also one of those people you're like, unexpected MVP, who just like comes mm-hmm. in and delivers, delivers <laughs> the performance. So Nicole knows what she's doing. Nicole like knows how to pick her scene Ooh. partners. Let's just mm-hmm. say that. Um, not to take a complete left, but I also know that, and for those of you who know me, you know that, um, the most important television show in my life, uh, for years, for over a decade has been, uh, the Real Housewives, uh, of Atlanta, uh, certainly New York, uh, And Potomac has been in my life for the last five yes. years, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and Judith is also Judith. Before we we start recording yeah. some of these really heavy episodes, yeah. sometimes Judith and I will download <laughs> on the Housewives. And at this point, when this comes out, I believe yeah. the reunion for Potomac would have already yes. happened. Started but right let's here. start yeah. with Atlanta, and I will keep this brief because okay. I do have to answer these questions. Yes. But <laughs> But this is the first act. This is the first act. Okay. <laughs> Whatever. So yes. how are you feeling about Atlanta? Because Nini is gone. Yeah. Yes. That was quite interesting. First, I think you have more info on, you know, I jumped in, I think, much later. Okay. Into okay. The, to the house. But um, Nini being gone, it, it's a different energy for me. Sure. Um, 
Uh, although, like Nini, I like Nini because she gives like she gives us the sound bites of like yes, Nini. You know what I Nini mean? Li- <laughs> Nini uh, slays a confessional with a sound oh, bite. Nini <laughs> gives us the antics yeah. we deserve. Yes, <laughs> yes. So that I'm missing. It, the one visual that looked weird. It was. Just, it seems like there's way less. It's only Nini and Eva that's gone. Yes, but, but when there's I like look five at the, of them. Yeah, it's like yeah, it's Kenya. Cynthia, Portia, uh, Candy, and me. this new girl who I don't know if we've quite yes. met yet. Oh, by, no, by the time yet. this comes out, we will have met her. Yes, um, yeah. But yes, it does look very bare for a, a Housewives yes. franchise. Um, yes. And I'm hopeful, but you know what? I was really excited. I'm excited that Portia's in the center. Yes. Portia looks yes. stunning. And looks I was also just like kind of grateful that they really spent a lot of time talking about yes. Black Lives Matter and talking yes. about um, their activism, you know, specifically mm-hmm. Portia's been doing a Portia. lot yep. um, and really like giving her that as part of her arc um, yeah. and representing that, I think is so yeah. important, you know, because because the reality is, you know, a lot of white people watch Housewives, <laughs> okay? That is a fact. A lot of white people watch Housewives yeah. and they love yeah. Atlanta. Um, yeah. And so I just, you know, I'm glad, you know, sometimes shows will do a thing where they will cater to a white straight audience, even if the cast is predominantly black or right. queer, but everything will be made digestible for straight white people, um, yeah. which I fucking hate um yeah. you know it's like when i watch friends ain't nobody explaining to me the jokes <laughs> like yeah, i'm just supposed to get it so mm-hmm. if y'all are watching black people do stuff we don't have to explain everything you just get right. it and if you don't get it you keep moving um right. but i really appreciate that they they didn't shy away from talking about uh uh, uh, Porsche's activism and Black Lives Matter yes. and really putting it out and like talking about yeah. it, which is great. Well, Judith, thank you so much for chatting with yeah. me about literally everything and nothing. That's like the best <laughs> shit ever. Um, and I guess now I'm going to answer questions. Okay, listeners, let's try and get through some of these questions. Now, I said most of y'all really sent in some, some uh, thoughtful questions around some um, heavy topics. So I'm going to do my best to answer them with as much of my um, understanding and experience as possible. Um, Okay. How do I feel okay about being in an interracial relationship while also being pro-black? So I get asked about interracial relationships a lot. And I've been in an interracial relationship with a person of color in the past, and I've also been in interracial relationships with a white person, and I'm currently married to a white person. Um, so there, there are two different things. Because you're saying being pro-black, I'm going to make an assumption that your partner is white. And I'm making that assumption because usually, uh, in my experience, because one of my uh, exes was uh, Latin, a Latinx uh, person, and he was pro-black, pro-brown, so we didn't have, like, that issue. Um, But the being pro-black usually comes up with a white partner, whether or not the white partner is pro-black, and more painfully, uh, how other black people perceive you as not being pro-black. 
which I've definitely dealt with, where like your blackness comes into question because you're in an interracial relationship with a white person. Um, because there's so much, you know, this is that gray area where there's so many truths here, right? There is a, a history that we can't deny between black people and white people in our country, um, which makes those relationships, those relationships between, romantic relationships between a black white person loaded to the outside world. It is also true that love is love is love is love, okay? <laughs> like, love is love is love is love. Um, and so your relationship is special with whoever it's with, no matter their race, their gender identity, their sexuality, or w whatever labels are there, because you both love each other. And that has to outweigh the external validation. So anyone, um, so there is nothing, if you're not feeling okay, it's because you're worried about what other people are thinking, is my assumption. You're worried about how other people are perceiving you and how and if they are questioning your blackness. And so the work is not really about the interracial relationship in that regard or the re relationship with your white partner. It's more about uh, learning how to not give a fuck about what these other black people are or whoever's making a judgment are thinking about you. And how do you do that? Um, for me, it was surrounding myself with people who affirm me. Um, and who affirm my relationship and who respect it and support it uh, and valuing their opinions more than the people who I don't know or don't care because anyone who is being disrespectful towards me or towards my relationship is not somebody that I want in my life or around me and it's not somebody's opinion that I'm going to value, right? So I want the people around me to affirm me and also uh, to be uh, – to to make relationships with other interracial couples, uh, other uh, specifically in racial couples that are black and white, uh, because we have that same uh, understanding. Uh, and so there are other black partners who have white partners that I'm very close with. Uh, and we have conversations and we share in the frustrations and the ups and the downs because the sharing in that uh, makes you feel less alone, less crazy, and less like you have to prove yourself. I hope that's helpful. Okay, this question is, and I'm also not using people's screen names or emails because, you know, uh, I don't know if you want me to. So, so I'm just, I'm just uh, erring on the side of caution. Um, this one says, my little sis is bi, but my mom don't know yet. Only me and my big sis know, and we know she won't get it. I'm assuming the question for this is like, what do we do? Um, and my answer is protect your baby sis at all cost. Uh, if you know that your mother is not going to be understanding, but you and your big sister are, protect your baby sis at all costs. And that means just affirming her. It doesn't mean that she needs to hide herself or, you know, when she's ready to tell mom, ask her if she wants you there. Ask her if she wants support. Ask her how she wants you to support her. And then also remind her that no matter what happens, you love her and you have her back. And no matter what mom does or how mom reacts, you got her. Protect baby sis at all costs. That is my advice. 
oh, we're moving through. How can I be more vulnerable with people without being insecure or afraid of doing so? How can I be more vulnerable with people without being insecure or afraid of doing so? Mm. I think knowing that it's going to be scary, you can't deny that it will be scary and that you'll be insecure. I think in denying that, you're looking for like this perfect time and this perfect version of being vulnerable. And there's not a perfect time, right? It's a practice. It's a it's a building. And knowing that like there will be times where somebody might let you down. That's just my therapist said something to me when I was like scared of getting my heart broken in a relationship. And she was like, well, honey, with love comes heartbreak. That is just undeniable. They're like with love will come heartbreak. Like hopefully you'll find, eventually you'll find your partner and the two of you will be together forever. But even in that, like even in thinking about being with somebody quote unquote forever, not to get too dark, but let's just fucking go there. If one of you passes away, there's heartbreak, right? So you're never not going to get your heart broken inside of love. And the same is true of being vulnerable. Like there will be a time in your vulnerability that you might get burned. I think the real thing is you don't have to be vulnerable with everyone. People have to earn that trust. Yeah. People have to earn you opening yourself up that way. So not everyone gets to see that side of you or gets to have access to that piece of you. And that's okay. And I think the fear and the insecurity comes from maybe possibly having been vulnerable with too many people could be a thing or with the wrong person could be a thing um, or somebody who was supposed to have your back and burned you. And so you got to heal from those things. But as you learn to be vulnerable again, one, remember that it won't be perfect and it will be scary and you might feel insecure. And that's why it's important to pick who you are vulnerable with. And not everybody needs to have access to that side of you, is my feeling. Okay, this question is, making a gay age gap relationship work or being judged for it? Which is not really a question. But I guess, the, I guess you want to know, how do you make a gay age gap relationship work without being judged for it? I'm guessing. I, I'm answering this question because I had a wonderful relationship and we were 10 years uh, uh, difference. I was 10 years younger than uh, that person. Um, and it was, was it challenging? Uh, how do we make it work? I mean, obviously it didn't work out ultimately because <laughs> I'm married to somebody else who is a year and a half younger, which he always reminds me of. <sighs> um, but making that that relationship work for when it did work, I mean, you know what was challenging about it was that because we were we were just in different places in our lives, doesn't mean that it can't work, by the way. I do believe that you can make uh, you know a, a relationship with an age gap work. Um, but I think you both have to be clear about what you want and not I, I'm gonna say it because I was the younger person in that relationship, not uh, conforming to the older person just because they're older, right? Like being able to say firmly and strongly, no, I, I also have my dreams and my goals and this is what I want to do. And we have to be partners in this. It, like, I think the danger is like when it becomes parental, 
And it's like, okay, just because you're older, like, don't mean you get to play my dad. Now, if you want to be daddy, honey, ah, ah, that's different, daddy. But if you're trying to be dad, father, no, I'm not. I, I'm not here for for that energy. Um, and in terms of being judged for it, I mean, this is just a larger thing, which is like, again, you have to have people around you that support you and champion you. And, you know, obviously, if the relationship is toxic, they're going to be like, it's toxic. And hopefully you're going to uh, believe them when they say that, especially if they're people that you trust. But honestly, what the world thinks is irrelevant. Like, what do you think? I think if you're nervous about being judged for it. I would ask myself, well, am I judging myself for it? How much am I judging this relationship? And start there. Because once you're comfortable with it, what everybody else says is irrelevant. I know that they're now getting divorced, but I live for how Erica from Real Housewives of Beverly Hills talks about her relationship, which she's always like, honey, you go get yourself a 20-year relationship and then come talk to me. You know, that level of like, this is my relationship. I will protect my relationship at all costs. This is the man I love. Yes, he's older. Go fuck yourself. Like, it, it's none of your business. Like, this, like, this works for us. Um, so I think that's what's important is that it works for you and that you are not judging it is the most important thing. This question, how to be a social justice warrior around people who just don't care. Yes, honey, this is, this is the question. Um, for me, and this is just for me. I mean, this is part of being a social justice warrior, right? Like, Fighting for, for for equality and equity, you're fighting against people who don't care and who don't want it. That is the work. But if people close to you do not care about it, um, I have always said for me, like, I will not make videos or I will not put out content or I don't do my work for people who are like, racism doesn't exist. I make work for people who are like, yes, I get that exists and like, how can I be better? How can I do better? Um, so that helps, right? Like where you're like, okay, my work cannot be necessarily for people who are, are committed to my oppression. I need to band together with those who are interested in dismantling this thing so that I actually have a crew to go against those who don't care, as opposed to me trying to tackle those who don't care by myself, right? It's why we protest, right? It's why we march. It's why we organize, because together we're unstoppable. It's the one-on-one, -on -one or, or by your, it's not the one-on-one, -on -one, but you by yourself trying to defeat that thing that's always going to be exhausting. So focus on organizing your crew, the people who are down, your, your fellow social justice warriors, and tackle the system together. Uh, and if it's people that are close to you who don't care, then you might need to put up your boundaries. You might need to uh, say some goodbyes to some people and say, great, this relationship isn't it because black lives matter. And if you aren't willing to say that, <laughs> then this relationship doesn't exist. That's hard though, but sometimes it's necessary. You know, this is not, uh, or maybe this might be another question that somebody will ask, but um, it is so hard to end relationships with people, especially with people that you grow up with, people that you've had in your life for decades, and then suddenly you kind of look up and you're like, oh, we are not the same. Like, you 
uh, love racism and I don't. That's like an extreme example. But like you are about a different life that I am not. And and the life that you're about is actually toxic for me and for the people that I, that I care about. And it's hard. You keep those relationships because they're kind of grandfathered in, if you will. But I think that we have to be willing to evolve as people and know that us evolving as people also means our relationships are going to evolve. And it means that some people can't come with us on this evolution. You know, as we, as we individually work to be better and do better and get to a better place and live our best life, not everybody can come with us. And sometimes it's the closest people to us that can't come with us. It doesn't mean that you got to cuss them out and like, you know, cut them off or whatever, but uh, it does mean that there have to be boundaries put into place. You know, like if, if I am going to have a relationship with you, these are the terms that relationship is going to be on. Or it's that I actually realize that I can't have a relationship with you. And that's painful. And I always say, honor those losses, um, honor those relationships by mourning the loss. It's okay to mourn the loss of someone that you love because they're toxic, right? You, you've lost them because they're toxic. Um, and sometimes we feel like, well, they're toxic, so I can't, I shouldn't. Uh, but, you know, the laughs that you had were real. The times that they wiped your tears were real. The relationship you had was real. So even if you recognize that maybe as adults, you know, that they're, how they behave is just something you don't want any part of, it doesn't make it any less painful uh, to say goodbye to them, emotionally say goodbye to them. So you can honor those relationships by mourning that loss. Okay, moving through these questions. How do I get over a breakup where I didn't get any closure? Oof. How do I get over a breakup where I didn't get any closure? I had a relationship oh, that I didn't get any closure on until like maybe almost 10 years after we broke up. Uh, and it was unexpected, but I had to find the closure beforehand. I think that we often believe, and I believe that the closure comes from the other person or like having some conversation and like, tying everything up in a bow. And it's like, no, the closure is really individual. The closure is not about like, you know, some clean breakup and like both of us being like, this is okay. Cause you may never get that, but I have to be okay with myself inside of the breakup. And so to me, and this is hard, especially with a breakup so you don't have to do it right away, but the closure comes from reflection. The reflection on the relationship, the reflection on what worked, what didn't work, and what I've learned, and what my takeaways are from that relationship. And that's why, again, it may not happen immediately because when you're dealing with a breakup, day one, day 10, month one, month two, sometimes, depending on how long we were together, first year, you're dealing with the breakup. You don't really have time to find the closure. But there will come a point where you will be ready to find that closure or get that closure. And I believe that that comes from reflecting and, and, and thinking about the takeaways and then also 
Ooh, this one's going to start sound crazy. Gratitude. Being able to find gratitude for the, for what you've learned. You know, the, listen, I've been in an emotionally abusive relationship myself, so it's hard to have gratitude for that person, per se, but I now, and this is years later, um, I have an appreciation for what the relationship taught me because I will never repeat that mistake again. <laughs> oh, baby, I will never let anyone treat me the way that that partner treated me ever again. And for that, I'm grateful. And so I have my closure. Oof. I told you, y'all asking some heavy motherfucking questions, but here we go. Um, oh, okay. This is actually kind of perfect. Second chances with exes. We have such deep love, but history of emotional abuse. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, baby. My answer is uh, no second chance. If you have a history of emotional abuse and you know that, that is what, that's why you want to give a second chance because it's an emotional, uh, that, that's how emotional abuse works. Emotional abuse works like this, where, you're, where you see the good in that person and you remember the good times. And if we could just get back to the good times, and I'm speaking as somebody who knows, I know I've had these conversations in my head, back and forth, back and forth. But if they, we used to be so good and he used to make me laugh and he used to be so nice to me. He used to be so kind to me. And can I get back to that? Can I get back to that? No, you can't. Like, unless, okay, here, here's my, here's my, my, like, uh, like uh, my loophole. If he is going to therapy and you are going to therapy, okay, and then y'all got therapy together and you are working through it, and there's like an awareness that you can both say, oh, this relationship is toxic and emotionally abusive, but we love each other and we're willing to work on it, and you are both actively doing your mental health work, reading your books, going to therapy, curious about why the relationship is emotionally abusive and what the behaviors are, and you're setting your boundaries, fine, if both of you are in that, but if, if that's not where it is, then it's just about like, Giving somebody a second chance? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. You got to value yourself enough to know that you deserve a partner who is not going to emotionally abuse you. You deserve a partner who, who, who is going to value you and hold you up and support you and love on you and who you're going to love. If we're not growing together in a relationship, then what the fuck are we doing? Like honestly, this <laughs> y'all look. I'm turned on. Oh my god, I'm I'm all I'm on I'm on one right now. It's like if we are not. Judith just told me go off. Yes, if we are not like if we are not growing together, if we are not evolving together, if you are not adding to my life and I'm not adding to your life, then what the fuck? Then you're just in my house eating my food, and I don't need that. <laughs> like. Uh, what is that? I can be bad. I can do bad all by myself. Like I don't need to have another person in my space being toxic. Absolutely not. No, 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 no. If I'm being this relationship, whether it's romantic, friendship, familial, if we're going to have this relationship, it's going to have to be one where we are committed to growing together, where we are committed to making each other better, to, to protecting each other, to honoring each other, to keeping each other safe. But if we're committed to some emotional abuse shit, uh-uh. 
uh-uh, miss me. Miss me with that. Go kick some rocks. Amen. All right, this next question. Oh, okay. Oof. Yes. Okay. Managing grief over a suddenly passed away parental figure while extremely busy and numb. Mm. Well, first of all, I am so sorry for your loss. That is not easy, especially when it's family like that, a parental figure, a parent, somebody who is part of your chosen tribe. Um, that's never easy, especially when it's suddenly. So my heart goes out to you, and I hope you're taking care of yourself. And I guess that's the managing of the grief is it's hard. And I'm going to speak from, I knew probably the, the there have been a couple of people, in my, there have been a number of people in my life that have passed away. But the most impactful one was my grandmother and it's different because it wasn't sudden we knew it was coming so I'm going to speak from that space um which is you can't rush it if you feel numb right now that's probably your body protecting you and that's okay there will be a point where you will feel my best advice is find somebody close to you, whether you can text them, email them, call them, and say, I am um, going through this thing, and I just want you to know that I'm going through this. You don't have to do anything right now, but if you could just check on me, just continue to check on me, because um, I, I, don't, I don't know how to manage any of this. That's helpful so that you're not alone, so that you immediately remove yourself from being alone. Because I think the, the isolation of it all, and I know that we're all in a pandemic, so the isolation is, is double. But the, the staying by yourself inside of it, I think, is when it gets really, really bad. And if you're extremely busy, I'm going to promise you there's a moment where you're going to stop, because that's what happened with me. I kept going, 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 and then I had like a day off. And baby, I lost my mind. Um, and if there's something I could have done differently, it would have been to, uh, call one of my best friends and say, I'm, I'm, this is what just happened. And I know I'm not going to be okay. Um, and I'm struggling with this and there's nothing to do right now because I'm busy and I'm working, but just keep your eye out for me. And then for your personal managing, just know it's going to be a journey. So don't rush it. Don't try to fix it. Just uh, allow the emotions to come and go as they will. Be gentle with yourself. Be gentle with yourself. Okay, this question. How can I keep believing that I'm valid as LGBT in an environment that tells me otherwise, church? Well... I don't know how old you are, but I would say, one, remove yourself from the environment that makes you feel less valid. But if you are young, 
uh, and you're, you know, you don't have that uh, autonomy quite yet where like you could just like skip church. Um, I would just from like a, from like a social media perspective, uh, try to follow other people who are in the LGBTQ community who have a relationship to church um, who can affirm you you know, whether or not you know them or not, but you can like see that there is a version of church where you are taken care of and you're affirmed, or there's a version of people who are spiritual and still love you and still love people who are queer. Um, that That's how I managed. One was to, for me, I stopped going to the churches where I didn't feel okay. I actually started going to a church in uh, New York. It was called Unity Church of New York. And there are a couple of unities, I think, around the country, maybe the world. But there was one uptown, and the pastor was gay. Pastor was gay. The whole church was fucking gay. Uh, and that was wonderful because it just kind of it was like, oh, it's not the – it's not – it's not my spirituality that's the problem. It's the people <laughs> that are the problem. Yeah. So if you can find, if, if church is important to you or, or spirituality is important to you, then start to look for the people who are doing it, um, but that aren't homophobic. Uh, and also know that, again, if you're young and you can't remove yourself from the church that you're in, know that their homophobia is not a reflection of your worth. That is their trauma, their fear, their uh, fucking craziness, and it's not a reflection of your worth. As much as you can, remind yourself that you are valuable, you are important, you are worthy, you are beautiful, you are perfect the way you are. And if some people can't see it, that's, that's their bullshit. Ain't got shit to do with you. That is their bullshit. As much as you can, try not to. I know it's difficult, but as much as you can, remind yourself of your worth and your value. Okay, I'm going to ask this last question. Um, when are you writing a book? This is the last question. And the answer is, I am currently writing a book. And it, you are, you're the first people to hear about this. Uh, I got myself a little book deal uh, and I'm writing a book about my black queerness uh, and my experience growing up and hopefully, you know, everything I've learned uh, will make its way in there. It'll be quite some time. You know, a book takes a second, honey, uh, before it'll be on the bookshelves, honey. But but it, it is, it's crazy. It will it will exist, um, and I will have written it, and I'm very, very, very excited to be able to share myself. Uh, you know, words are so important to me. Ugh, words matter so much to me, uh, and I've loved being able to speak on this podcast, and I've loved being able to share some of my writing on Instagram and, you know, writing op-eds and essays and stuff like that, and so I'm really excited to have this book of, I don't know how long it'll be. I think I think something like 64,000 words or some shit like that. Um, I'm excited to share, have, have the platform or the um, ability to share myself in such a full and expansive way uh, as a book. So exciting. So 
For those of you asking, who keep asking when you're writing, I'm writing. Honey, that's the show. That's it. (laughs) That's the show. I'm so, so happy to have spent this time with you, just you and me in your car or in your house or somewhere in your ears. I'm so happy that you uh, allowed me to um, share space with you. I'm really honored by that. And this has been an incredible um, platform that you have given me because this show does not exist without our listeners without you subscribing and without you rating and and sharing so i'm i'm just so appreciative Uh, i know this has been a this has been a year this has been a hard year for all of us it has brought up so much it has revealed so much and it has been a gigantic feat to navigate and so i'm honored that in the middle of all of that so many of you have chosen to follow me on instagram to listen to me on black folks or do the work um i do not take that lightly i'm so grateful for you And I am wishing you as good, (laughs) as good uh, a rest of your, the last few days of this year as you can muster up. Uh, And I will see you in the new year. Don't forget, if you ever have questions or um, you got a guest pitch, because in the new year, back to guests, honey. You can email blackfolkspodcast at gmail.com, B-L-A-C-K-F-O-L-X. Also, you can follow me on uh, Instagram, Brandon K. Good, where you'll also get sneak peeks of upcoming episodes, or you can follow it on official Tom Ellis, Tom Ellis' page, or the Black Folks page, B-L-A-C-K-F-O-L-X. I think that is everything. Really, truly, just thank you for... um, for being here, for being you, for being resilient and for persevering. And listen, if there's anything that I hope you take into 2021, it is that you are a value, you are enough, you are worthy, you are perfect the way you are. And in case you haven't heard it yet today, I love you so much. Bye. Star Brands Audio, a podcast network.